Hello and welcome to The Lost Button, the podcast for young people figuring out their future life and career. I'm Liz. And I'm Connor. And we're here to help you navigate all the big decisions you have to make about your future and create a path that's right for you. Each episode, we're going to tackle some of the biggest questions and challenges Gen Z are facing about their future, from finding a job you're passionate about to managing stress and burnout. Liz, I'm astounded today. Do you want to know why? I do, Connor. So I had a vision that we would reach 10 podcast episodes and we've done it. I'm very proud of us. I'm very proud that people are actually listening and you know that I hate the small talk section of this podcast so much. So I actually went and bought a bunch of small talk card games to avoid the awkwardness. That is me when I'm trying to be candid. So the first question that I have for you is after death, would you relive your life or start as someone else? Oh, That's a great question. That's a tricky one. I would restart my life again as myself. I feel like you learn a lot about yourself in your own life. And then if you were able to live it again, you just wouldn't make the mistakes that you make. What about you? I would, my first answer is literally I would start my life as Taylor Swift or as like Mm. someone that's just like, you know, would have this crazy, yeah, and just like a completely weird and crazy kind of life that would be super interesting okay my next question is how do you think aliens perceive humans well i think they'd be very disappointed (laughs) at the moment liz because we haven't been behaving very well especially on the east coast so you know we've got anti-lockdown protests and things so i think there's a lot of concepts in our society that don't make sense so i think they'd be disappointed that's all i have for today but um thanks flex mummy for all the Inspiration? Yeah, exactly. But I have a question for you actually, Liz. Okay. And that is the would you rather question. Okay. So what would you do if you had a year left to live? I'm unique in that I am kind of doing what I love already. So I would kind of keep doing that. I've tried to make my life so that I don't regret Mm. anything. But I think I would just try and empower other people to take over Purposeful. Okay. So that could have an impact beyond... Yourself. My life, yeah. Yeah. So I would wow. just like accelerate everything we're doing now and eat a lot of like different kinds of food. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I think I've been pretty like focused throughout uni, so I would take a gap year. We know how good gap years are from Pia's story. Um, but basically, yeah, I would take a gap year and I would travel. So now I'm, I'm vaccinated, so I would travel. I think I'd do like three months in the U.S., do three months South America and then spend a bit of time in Europe as well. Find myself a bit more. Nice. Love it. So today's episode is all about how setting goals and a vision for your future can truly be manifested into reality. Super excited for this one because it is honestly like one of my favorite personal development topics and I think we've got a lot of gems to talk about but I believe you have some some stats for us. I do. I have some gems. I have some great gems to start off Liz. So some key facts about setting a vision and setting some goals. So the first one is that a Harvard business study found that there's a direct correlation between goal setting and success. It makes sense. It said that the people who have goals are 10 times more successful than those who don't have goals. Now, that's a big difference. Mm. Not double, not twice as successful three times, but 10 times. And this same study found that the 3% of graduates from an MBA class at Harvard who had their goals written down critically 
ended up earning 10 times as much as the other 97% of people put together. That that bodes well for my future self. It does. You set goals and write them down. I have lots of visions. Yeah, that's fantastic. And 80% of adults give up on their dreams because of a lack of vision. That's pretty sad. It's super sad and even more, I would say, give up because of fear of failure and, mm-hmm. you know, what other people think of them. So, yeah, I'm super keen to get into this topic. So, Liz, what do you think is a vision and why do you think it's relevant for careers? Yes. So, I think vision can sound like a bit of a wishy-washy topic, but having a vision is actually a hardcore goal-setting tool. In fact, I would say it's one of the reasons why I've been able to achieve so much at a young age has been using a vision as a tool for goal-setting and goal-achieving. So, a vision is different to like an an actual goal. A goal might be like something specific that you want to achieve, whereas a vision is imagining what it would actually be like to achieve that goal. So, it's about painting a really crystal clear picture for yourself of if you know say for example my goal is of getting this dream job it would be imagining you know how it would feel to to achieve that who would be there painting a really clear picture for yourself and the reason why you do that is and similarly I think why those statistics were so high for the people that had actually written their goals down is because it's about tricking your brain to sort of think that you've already done it before and therefore you could achieve it again so if your vision is like front of mind front and center all the time then it makes it really easy for it to become one of your priorities whereas if like most people do at the start of the year, you, you you know think about what your New Year's resolutions are, but then put them in a drawer and never look at them again. Mm. Like you're not keeping it as a clear priority for yourself. So yeah, that's, that's why they're super important. Mm. I think there's like a number of barriers as well is that really hold people back. One of them is definitely expectations of others in our society. And we do live in a society and dreams change over time. So people might start out very certain as we've heard, you know, in some interviews, but then realize that's actually not what they want to do. And instead of trusting their gut, sometimes it can be easy to just meet the expectations of parents, of friends, of having like Mm. a stable job, right? Mm. And I think when you're creating a vision, often the goals that you might have that are really intrinsically motivating for you, chances are they go against what people expect you to do. So it's, yeah, I agree. It's about you've got to work harder. I think some of the most common barriers are definitely fear of failure and our judgment of ourselves. So I've got a really good example of this. Yesterday, I was facilitating a workshop and there were young people there from 12 to 18 years old and the challenge was they had to brainstorm as many ideas as they could to solve a particular problem and the 12 year old table like instantly that the only rule I gave them was that they should go for quantity not quality get as many ideas down as possible the 12 year olds within like five minutes had filled up this giant piece of butcher's paper with ideas right and the 18 year olds were still like chatting about it yeah (laughs) they couldn't come up with any and that's a really important difference and a big barrier as to why people give up on their goals is because when you're a kid, you're much more limitless in your thinking. You don't sort of think about, oh, that's too expensive. That's too hard. I'm not good enough. They'll judge me for it. You just you just do. As we get older, we kind of layer on all these reasons why we can't achieve something. So I think as setting like a, a vision for yourself, one of the most important things is trying to wind yourself back to when you were a little kid and how you thought then, giving yourself permission to dream and knowing that's not unrealistic, you 
you can then be, you know, more feasible and practical later. But if you don't ever give yourself freedom to think outside the box and push the limits of what's possible for yourself, then you're always going to be stuck with the same sort of situation you've got now. Mm, think like your childlike self. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good advice. You know, we talk about vision, a bit of goal setting. How do you actually use a vision? Like how do you turn that into a tangible outcome, Liz? Yes. So I set a vision for myself every year. I literally in the beginning of January for about two or three weeks, I spend time brainstorming about almost like a big bucket list of all the things that are important to me. It can be anything. So it could be like run 5Ks or like speak a new language or something more like about my business or it can literally be whatever. And then I narrow it down. I try and group this big long bucket list into categories. Usually it's my values, so purpose or well-being, for example. And then I'll spend time kind of picking like the top one or two goals that I have and make a vision for that. So I have a literal vision board and if you sign up to the mailing list, I'll send it out um, this week, a picture of it that I make like full scrapbook style. And that sounds a bit silly, but actually spending that much time on it means that my vision's almost embedded into my brain. Mm. (laughs) And so then I actually put that vision at the moment, it sits above my bed. So it's the first thing that I see when I get up every morning. And when I'm feeling, you know, crappy or don't really want to, not feeling motivated, it reminds me of why I'm doing what I'm doing. So you can kind of use a vision board as though, imagine how companies do marketing and product placement, right? Mm. It's about use your vision like a product placement. So put it, laminate it and put it in your shower. These are all things I've heard people do before. Save it as a screenshot on your phone or your laptop Mm. where you see it every day. You can do so many things, right? Manifest it. Yeah, yeah. And make it, I think the main thing is make it really hard for you to ignore those goals because chances are no one else is going to prioritize them for you. So you've got to go that extra mile to do things that seem silly we're going to make that goal stick in your brain. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I'm less visual. I'm more like to write everything down. So mm. I don't have like a vision board with images, but I use the notes on my laptop, my phone, and I just write my goals down and I update them pretty much every day. So I am, you know, slightly different, but it's the same process. Like I'm constantly reminding myself almost obsessively about you know, what is my goal for this year, for this month and for this week? And so I have those three types of goals. And pretty much since I started setting goals at the, in the middle of year 11, like maybe 80% of them have come true just mm. because you're being so intentional about them. So yeah, there's so many mm. examples of, of people who just actually write them down, have those goals being realized. That's a great point because a lot of people are scared to set a big and hairy audacious goal because they don't have all the steps worked out to achieve it. Mm -hmm. But like you've said, actually, once you've got that big vision that seems far away, you only need to know the first few steps that you're going to take. And I do this too. So I might set this crazy goal for my business and go, I have no idea how I'm going to get there, but I know what the first step would be. And then once I've taken that first step, which might be calling someone up, to ask for help they can direct me to what that second and third step should be so with a vision you don't need to have yeah it all mapped out you can actually kind of like imagine headlights on a dark road you can only see two or three meters in front of you but as you keep driving closer and closer to the horizon it becomes clearer Mm -hmm. that's sort of how vision works too yeah great advice so what are a couple um practical tips that our listeners can take away on this topic I've got a couple of wicked questions that I use to help me think outside the box. They're all what would you do if sort of questions. So the idea is that they're 
kind of targeting the biggest barriers or reasons we give ourselves as to why we can't be successful or can't achieve our goals. First one's what would you do if you couldn't fail, if you knew you were going to succeed? What would you do if you had all the time and money in the world or that you needed? And what would you do if you had three years left to live? I really like that one because I think three years is still quite a decent amount of time you could actually achieve or do something really cool with. And then in terms of actually making a vision board, I think, like you said, sort of figure out what what works for you, but getting visual and getting your hands kind of dirty or using even Canva. We we use Canva in a lot of our workshops. Canva is great. Um, super easy. Have fun with it. Don't. It doesn't have to be super serious. And I'll share a couple of fun examples as well that I've done before. And also, I think it doesn't have to just be about your career. So my vision has goals related to all parts of my life, like my relationships, my well-being, purpose. Yes, but it doesn't just have to be these big, seemingly successful goals. It could actually be just things that you really love and want to mm. do. So I had a goal this year. I wanted to do 30 days of yoga in a row. I actually achieved that at the end of January because I set myself just that task and I also had a goal to you know make x amount of dollars in my business so big and small goals it it doesn't matter if you set say a core two or three goals that you're really trying to prioritize you often look back and then go hey I achieved way more than that but because I was intentional and had a focus I, I got a lot more done and it was less overwhelming Yeah, one practical tip for me as well. For those of you that are less visual and like to write your goals down, use the SMART goal method. So make it specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-oriented. The first and the last are most important. So if you say, I want to do better at uni, that doesn't mean anything. Like I want to get HD average or I want to get distinction average by the end of the semester. So make it super specific and, you know, your chance of achieving it, as we know, is much higher. Now it's time for the lost and found. Even though being lost is a problem that young people across the world are facing, it can be easy to feel like you're the only one. Each episode will bring a young person on the show to share their story and the challenges they're facing about their future. Today's guest is George, a 23-year-old entrepreneur on a mission to change the way the world washes. Thanks so much for coming on today, George. I'm super keen to hear your story because um, I know it's going to help heaps of people. So tell us about yourself and your journey through life after school. Sure. So I've always been super entrepreneurial and I've come up with heaps of different business ideas. So after school, I came up with a few different ideas and tried them out um, while I was at uni and all of them actually failed. <laughs> <laughs> and after I finished uni, I did a lot of travel and then decided to focus on an idea that really meant something to me and that was reducing plastic pollution. Then I founded Washblock. Awesome. And why, can I ask, why was that important to you? Why was that the problem? Because lots of people struggle to figure out yeah, which problem to solve. Yeah, sure. So I am an avid surfer and I really yeah, love the ocean and the environment and travelling around the world, not so much in Australia, but around the world, I just noticed so much plastic pollution everywhere in the oceans and it was really sort of devastating to see. And so with that, I thought... I'm entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to be a founder of something and something that has an impact. So I decided to create a product that was reducing plastic consumption. And I sort of looked at lots of different products and how I could make an impact. And I saw like a gap in the market with hair care products and shampoo bars in particular. 
Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what's your vision for the future of Washblock? Sure. So my vision is to convert as many people away from sort of liquid products for various environmental reasons and stop plastic consumption. So my vision is to convert, yeah, thousands of people away from traditional liquids. But that's sort of a bit of a challenge because people are so used to using these liquid shampoos, conditioners and sort of all sort of personal care products. Yeah, I think that's such a huge goal that you have. And I know a lot of young people, especially with problems to do with the environment, feel a lot of you know passion and also pressure to make the world better in that way. Has that been something, how have you sort of managed that? Because sometimes it can be easy, I guess, to fall into all the negativity about the future when you're trying to solve something that's so big. How have you balanced, yeah, that big vision you have with the reality and, and day-to-day sort of steps that you can take? Yeah. yeah, I haven't really found that too difficult. My sort of focus is to solve one small problem and that's plastic packaging in our personal care products. So, yeah, it's sort of just staying clear on my, my mission and figuring out ways that I can make the product more and more environmental has been the focus. But yeah, I haven't really found that to be too much of a sticking point for me. Something we hear a lot is that a lot of young people feel lost and unsure of their journey. Um, What are some of the challenges you face in your own journey and how have you sort of overcome those? Sure. Well, when I was at uni, I sort of felt like I was getting pushed down the corporate, I don't know what you call it, the corporate path. Yeah, Yeah. route. Um, the and, <laughs> yeah, and my parents both have, they're actually both academics, but no one in my family is entrepreneurial. So I kind of felt like that was really the only option. And it wasn't until I started really thinking about what I want and yeah, that I realised that I can actually just be an entrepreneur or give it a go and try and do something that's actually meaningful to me. What has been one of the most impactful like people or experiences I guess to change that mindset or did you just kind of yeah stumble on it yourself? Yeah (laughs) I think I was sort of this is sort of my my thing like it was always going to happen I just had to have the confidence to do it and then having meeting people I think you kind of attract people that are like-minded so I've met people recently that have really inspired me and, and driven me to go go for gold. Yeah, that, that's awesome. So I think surrounding yourself with people that like align with your values, like you said, is can be the difference between being successful or not. I'm curious to know, because we met a few years ago and you still had the same problem you wanted to solve. You had very different solutions yep. <laughs> at that time. Can you tell us about some of maybe the mistakes you made or the things you've learned? Because I think people would look at you now and think, oh, you've made it, you know, you've got it all sorted. You've got this really awesome, successful business. But what's sort of been, yeah, some of the failures or that have gotten you there yeah sure so I've always sort of had the same goal or mission to make a product that's more sustainable and reduce plastic consumption so my first idea which I think you're referring to (laughs) is the vending machines that dispensed liquid products into your own bottles (laughs) this is while I was at uni but logistically and yeah commercially it was the numbers didn't really stack up and if you can't make a business successful financially then you don't have a business and you can't make it impactful so that was one of my failures I sort of that was just in the ideation phase I didn't push that too much further and then another idea which I worked on just before this was edible cutlery (laughs) (laughs) so edible disposable disposable cutlery instead of plastic cutlery so I thought you might as well eat it instead of throwing it you know into landfill and I actually found a company in India that are making them and so I thought maybe I could just import these products but unfortunately they didn't really have the same flavour <laughs> flavours <laughs> that we like the more Indian spices and that sort of thing and people are really price sensitive with disposable cutlery and that sort of thing so it wasn't really viable 
Mm, that's super interesting. I think you described a lot about your idea change, but you always had that solid vision throughout. What's been one of the most exciting or like a highlight for you in this journey? I think a highlight has been when I kind of just had that moment where I went, I don't have to do a job that I'm not passionate about or I don't care about. And I can actually just do something that I that I want to do. Uh, and that makes me happy. And I feel like I'm contributing to society sort of thing. So yeah, I think that realisation was was pretty huge. And then when I just launched um, Washblock, a friend was really inspired by the idea and wanted to help out. And she pitched a story to our local newspaper, local newspaper, and they put a piece in the in the paper and that really helped kick things off. And that was a big, big vote of confidence at the start. Awesome. So exciting. I'm super like impressed at your journey and how far you've come. I think it's really inspiring. And I I had a a quick question for you. Are you like a full-time entrepreneur now or, you know, how does that look like for you as well at the moment? Yeah, I am. I'm a full-time entrepreneur. I'm actually living at home with my parents, (laughs) which is a big help. And I'm sort of doing things, you know, bootstrapping everything at the moment. Yeah, I just decided I want to do something that I'm passionate about every day and just put all my energy into that. So even though I don't have much money to go out and wine and dine and that sort of thing I'm yeah I'm couldn't be happier yeah. not yet I can see it growing <laughs> in the future maybe one final question what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself say start of uni or someone listening who's around that age in you know who's starting this journey at the sure. moment sure just don't listen to anyone else do what makes you happy and if you have a vision or you want to do something, just do that. Because if you're passionate, I think you can be really successful. And without that passion or that vision, I don't think you're really going to get there. So yeah, just go for you. Go for what makes you happy and you'll, you'll be successful. That's really good advice. So that was a really interesting discussion, Liz. And what did you learn from George? I really love his passion for starters and I think more importantly is persistence because Mm. it's not an easy problem to solve and I think a lot of young people care a lot about the environment but don't really know how they can play a part in in making the world better. I think he's a really wicked example of someone that's just going for it and giving it a go even though it's probably not what he had planned for his career Mm. uh, back in the day. Yeah, I thought it was really positive and especially, as you said, like persevering with multiple failed businesses. A lot of people will try one business and then give up because it is really hard. So I found that very inspiring, like for me as well. What do you think were some of the key takeaways for the listeners in terms of like tangible tips? I think, yeah, persevering even through failure, as well as having a vision, like it's important to have that big moonshot goal, even if it doesn't seem like it's in reach, because it just can be your North Star to kind of keep you going and keep you on track when things are tough. I think that's really awesome that he sticks to that. And I loved as well that he said, actually, a big part of shifting his mindset was people, like it's a good reality check for us to sort of think about you know, do a quick audit on who are the people you're most influenced by and surrounding yourself with all the time. Are there people that are getting you closer to that big goal or people that are kind of weighing you down or not really empowering you that makes that can be make or break? Yes, what well I think it's so easy to be influenced by other people and so his advice to follow your own vision and your own, you know, I guess ambitions for the future is important because, yeah, everyone will give you advice but it's not necessarily helpful. Thanks for listening to The Lost Button, a podcast helping you figure out your future one episode at a time. If our stories hit home for you today, we'd love for you to leave us a review or share with a friend. 
head to our website to get career advice from the Lost Button. Sign up to our mailing list for more practical tips or check out Purposeful on Insta to be part of our community. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're recording today, the Noongar people of Wajak country. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Thanks and have an epic day.